there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elle. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss movies, musicals, books, TV shows, etc. And share with you the content in the ultimate goal of promoting clean content. Exactly. And to help facilitate all that, we have our very special, very highly technical, very science, very much science. Uh, very per- much science. Very much science. Pearl clutcher ratings, violence, language, and romance, scale of zero to four. How many pearls must be clutched in the viewing, consuming of this content? Zero being none, and four being all of them also get more pearls, because more might need to be clutched at this time. So, easy look, violence, language, romance. Is it zero, one, two, three, four? And now you know, is this stuff that I want to be consuming or not? Exactly. A fun little tidbit, every time when someone says, and now you know, it reminds me of this little short that the Disney Channel used to have called Mike's Super Short Show when they would talk about upcoming Disney releases. It was some kid named Mike and his co-star. I don't even remember what her name was. And at the end, they'd say, now you know, because it's Mike's Super Short Show. And that must have, that's probably like 15 years old at least. It's probably older than that because I'm older than I think I am. But still, every time someone says, and now you know, that plays through my head, which is actually kind of a segue to what we're talking about today, I feel like. Like, old things. Things that used to be important. Right? I, I see what you're doing here with the segue. I guess but, A for effort. But uh, oh. not everybody gets a trophy here, so you don't get a trophy just for effort. Oh. You, just, you well, get a nod. Reasonable. Yeah. And also, you know, after Whiplash, we don't tell anyone, good job. <laughs> oh, right. Well, a nod from you was like a handshake from Gordon Ramsay on a cooking show. So, you know, few and far between. And really, if you get it, well-deserved. So I will take the nod. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to have, have to be a little more stingy with them now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that I realize the significance of them. So you're not trusting my segue? Oh, that- yeah. So I was like, great. Now, what was that segue again? Oh, look, I lost the segue. Boom. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's pretty good, too. I'll give that one to you as well. Here's a, a tip of my imaginary hat. All right. Well, maybe you lost your hat, too. Oh, my goodness. Everything is going lost. We are speaking today about The World Between, Between Blinks, which is written by Amy Kaufman and Ryan. I have no idea how to pronounce her last name. Grodin? Gordan? G-R-A-U-D-I-N. She's a woman. Her name's Ryan. I've actually read other books by her. Hmm. She's got, she got a bunch of other books. A lot of them, a few of them dealing with like history and time travel, which fits very much into what this book's about. And then Amy Kaufman, we spoke about some of her books before because she was the co-author on Illuminae, that whole series. Um, her and Drake Kristoff have written, they wrote another series together. Total side note, and we're just going to throw it out there in case someone has the answer for this. Amy Kaufman teams up with a lot of people hmm. for writing stuff. So I'm curious if that's just, you know, Amy Kaufman's such a great person to work with. I'm sure, I'm sure that's got to be true if so many, she teams up with so many people. But I'm wondering also that I, I would assume that she has a particular strength that would make it ideal for her to be working with somebody else. In the sense that, oh, maybe she's very good at certain sort of sorts of let's say will world building and then she likes mm-hmm. to team up with someone who could have a strength in dialogue or something you know i'm just 
That's arbitrary. Right. That's not what I necessarily know it to be. But I would be curious if anybody does know what it is. Just because authors don't always usually team up. And so frequently, or if they are teaming up, it's their one person that they're teaming up with. Or if it's a big name right. author who like lends their name to someone, you know, to promote a book. But this is, Amy Coppin really, she, she's teamed up with, with a couple different people. Um, Megan Spooner, I think, is another one. So I know about at least three or four. So that's all. Just a curious uh, thing. But aside from that, this story is about <laughs> Jake and Marisol are cousins. And Marisol's from Bolivia. And Jake is from, well, his mom's, I think, is a diplomat of some sort. So he's from here, there, and everywhere. And, right. yeah, they're cousins. And their grandmother, Nana, has passed away. And the whole family is going back to the beach house to pack up the beach house because they're going to sell it now that Nana's not there anymore. And they're both feeling this great sense of loss that they don't have Nana there anymore. And Marisol has this this ability. They don't really, it's kind of supernatural, so that's kind of brought in here, that she can find lost things. And Jake is someone, because he's always moved here, there, and everywhere, that he always feels lost. Or it feels like everything in his past is kind of lost. And they end up going to this lighthouse trying to follow this, this map that their Nana had. And um, they end up in what's called the world between blinks. And that is the world where all lost things end up. So then they end up there and they have to try to figure out why are we here and how do we get out of it. The one thing that's clever about it is that the whole world building of the world between blinks is anything that's specifically been lost ends up there. Or anything that's been lost in time ends up there also. So I think they had, a, was it the Crystal Palace in London that burned down? And because it created a sense, a deep sense of loss within the community and people would speak about it, whatever. So that ends up in the world between blinks. Or also someone like Amelia Earhart, who just totally disappeared, ends up in the world between blinks. So right. that's, it collects lost things, but that's the right. range of lost things that could end up there. Or it could even be as simple as they have in the marketplace, a stall which sells lost socks, but no two socks are the same because of course socks are always getting lost, but it's always ever, only ever one sock that gets lost. So it could be big things like Amelia Earhart or lost keys, lost socks, things like that. Or yes, extinct animals that are extinct or going extinct. Right. Yeah. So in a way, it kind of brings historical fiction into the book also, because mm -hmm. these are things that have been lost throughout history. They actually had, when they end up, they end up underwater at one point. So all, okay, this Atlantis is there. There's a few other cities that have, that slowly sank beneath the waves. They had one, there's one that's called Thonis Heraklion, which I actually have a story about that. Maybe one day it'll be published. Who knows? Yeah, oh. I know. I actually, I accidentally, well, not accidentally, I stumbled across it in doing research about an Egyptian, about ancient Egypt. And I was like, oh, hey, and that's a, that's a city that's only recently been found, I think, at the, at the turn of the century, of our century, of the, of the oh. 2000s. Yeah, they, it was sort of obscurely referenced, and people weren't, not even obscurely, but it was never, like, center stage, so no one ever thought to really look for it. And then you have these people like, oh, I think I see... Like a pilot had flown over this place in the Mediterranean. I'm like, I think there's ruins down there. And finally this French guy was like, that's it. We're going to map it out and we're going to go and we're going to go look at what's there. And they actually found, they found the remains of a city that they think just kind of must have, maybe wasn't built on, you know, the sand or whatever. So it slowly sank beneath the surface. Wow. So here's the good things. Good thing about the book is that the ratings, this is a middle grade book and the ratings are very appropriate. Uh, violence, language, yes. and romance. Violence a 0.5, language is 0, romance a 1. There's like one kiss between other characters. No bad adult language. Adult characters. Yeah, two, uh, two uh, adult characters. Um, violence is 0.5 because there's some, you know, chase thing, a little bit of war that's in it. Nothing, nothing um, overt, nothing gory, nothing explicit, nothing descriptive. Just mention kind of there.
they go back in time and witness a field hospital in France during World War II, so that's a little bit heavy and even then it's not really descriptive, but there's enough in it that you were like you're aware of what's going on. But yeah, it's pretty like even the chase scenes, you know, it's not a international spy thriller chase scene where people are getting shot out and things are getting blown up. They're really just chase scenes. And here's the one thing, just because we'll usually add this to the romance. We're trying to figure out, we haven't decided, but there is a ref a very short, small reference to Uncle Todd and Uncle Pierre who are sharing a room and they have like teenage daughters. Twins. I think that the girls are twins. It doesn't explicitly say if they're a couple or not. So we usually add that in, in the romance, if there's what sort of relationship is there. So it seems that it's a male-male relationship, but it's not explicit. Just to put yeah, that it's out not there. very clear. Yeah. So you can see even now, because I guess two brothers could be raising twins, but then it doesn't mention someone's wife dying. If they are a gay couple, then it doesn't even mention where the twins come from. Like, it does say, like, oh, they're adopted daughters. I mean, it's that's good, because just because someone's adopted, it's still someone's child, you know? Right. It's kind of dropped in there, not specific, which you're kind of seeing a lot in general, where certain things that used to be much more explicit are just casually brought into something. So... Right. As an adult, you're kind of... Especially if you're looking for it, because that's what we do. We look for all this sort of stuff. It kind of stopped me for a moment. I wonder, I wonder if we give it to a kid, if they'd be like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, oh, you silly adult, of course, that's what's there. If they're like, I don't know what you're trying to ask me. So who knows? Um, another thing that's curious, and I'm just going to mention this also, is that Marisol's last name, I'm not really sure what's going on there, because the whole family, her and Jake, have the same last name. Their moms are twin sisters. And their mom, twin sisters, their mother is Nana, who they're going to clean out the, the beach house for. So Nana's last mm -hmm. name, it's, it's Baruna or something like that. And mm -hmm. Jake, it's kind of mentioned that the father walked out, uh, walked out on them and he's not come back or whatever. So that kind of makes sense why you'd have his mom's last name. But right. Marisol has the mom's last name and it doesn't explain it because she's got a dad who's in her life. And I don't know. It just was, it was a minute, it was a curious for a minute when you realize it says, it gives you Marisol's full name. But then when it gives you Jake's name, you're like, wait, what? So I don't really know what's, what's going on there with that. There is something I know in some Hispanic cultures where people take on their mom and their dad's last name. So Marisol would be Marisol Baruna hyphen whatever her father's last name is. But I don't remember if it mentioned no. both or if it just mentioned Baruna. It gives her three names and the middle name could be the last name or not. But then the mom's last name ended up at the end though. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, I wasn't sure... And if it is a culture thing, so that's the other thing also. They Because Marisol is from Bolivia and she speaks Spanish, they do put a lot of Spanish in. And sometimes they'll translate it and sometimes they won't. So, of course, you're not going to just give like a dictionary or a, a translator for that's going to slow the story or whatever. But sometimes the way you do that is that one character will speak in Spanish, let's say. And then the other character, their answer to them, it kind of tells you what the what the question was. So they do that, and, and that's fine. You know, you don't want to tell someone to choose from Bolivia. It's it's real and authentic for her to be speaking Spanish or say things in Spanish. And no problem, I'll put the Spanish in there or whatever language the character speaks. That's that's good, right? But sometimes when it's not fully... I think sometimes they even didn't fully explain it. So I'm just curious for kids reading it. They're just like, oh, whatever. They're like, wait, I don't know what this means. So what, they're supposed to stop reading and go look it up. I guess that's a good thing. But that also, you just made someone put down a book. And that's not usually a good thing. So, yeah, I didn't love that they didn't 
translate or explain all of the Spanish. They do that a lot in movies yeah. and TV shows these days. People speak in another language, but then the even if you turn on subtitles, it will just say speaks in Spanish or speaks in Chinese. And you could say it's not important to the story or you can figure it out from the tone. But when you're watching or reading something in a given language, you want to understand all of it. Just like if something was dubbed into another language, you would want it dubbed totally or to have those subtitles available. It's not just about speaking English. Whatever language you're watching something in, if that's the language you're choosing to watch in and that's the language, like the main language of the thing, you want to be able to understand what's going on. So sometimes they made it clear either through what one of the other characters answers what she's saying, but there were a few times, especially at the beginning, where I didn't know what she was saying, but I also didn't take the time to look it up. Yeah. Well, it's also because isn't the point also for us to learn? And if we're not going to go to look it up, either because we don't want to actually remove ourselves from the book at that time, you know, because once you stop, it can become a whole thing. You're going to look on your phone, but then if you get a message, you might check that and right. whatever. <laughs> so if you're not going to provide it for us, we're not necessarily going to see what it is. And that's uh, that's got a little bit of a missed opportunity, especially if you are trying to, to teach it or to show different expression and, and things like that. It's, yeah. yeah. You could always put an index or a, not an index. But a glossary, yes. the back of a book, you know, something like that. Like, yes, want to learn some Spanish with Marisol? Here you can do it, you know. Yeah, you exactly. Something like that. And books do that for fantasy when it's a made-up language. Yeah, so exactly. They say, oh, it's a made-up language. You know the way to look it up. Okay, fine. But they also put it in there, you know. So Spanish is not a made-up language. Many people, many, many people speak Spanish. But especially if you're trying to educate us on this, or even if you just want us to realize what's going on. Yeah, it, we should be able to understand it in context and not... And if you're like, oh, but it's, it was just kind of irrelevant. So, well, then why is it there? You know. Right. But aside from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from that, it was a middle grade book meant for middle grade. You know, some things transcend, like we talked about Phantom Tollbooth a few weeks ago. This one, for us as Oh My Word podcasters, it it's perfect, right? Because it's totally clean. It's totally age appropriate. It has a little bit of historical fiction, which you and I both really like. And there is a glossary at the back of the different uh, people and places that are mentioned in the world between blinks. So that was interesting. I mean, I read through all of them because some of the places that they talked about I knew and some of the people and some I didn't. But the pacing was super, super fast. And this is partially my fault because I'm a skimmer often when I read. I don't mean to be, but this book didn't work for skimming it was fast paced and then things happened and characters emotions went from one thing to the next and plans went from one thing to the next in a really unconnected way sometimes i don't know it just felt like it happened so quickly i just reminded myself that this book was maybe not meant for my age yeah well you know i'm curious also for for a younger reader because it is very fast paced that it is especially in the beginning when they first first land in the world between blinks, it felt like they were trying to cram too much in because they wanted to get all the lost places in and all the whatever. Yes. So fine, but then we're missing stuff. We actually missed a lot. It, it kind of actually goes back to the Spanish glossary thing. If you're going to tell us about this new marketplace that they ended up in, why are you, don't assume that, that the kids know what you're talking about. It didn't sit for any of the lost things. Yes. It didn't give us a sense, a strong enough sense of why it was lost, where it went, where people thought it went. And you could do that in two or three sentences because obviously you don't want to start pontificating about it. 
yeah, that was the biggest thing. That it was just like showing things in flashes. Just for no other reason but just say like, this also ended up in the world between blinks. Well, it gets to be a lot after a certain point. And it's almost too much, especially if you're not giving us a reason for why it's there. Or letting us know what it is. Because especially if it's in history and there's so much, we, we may not know what it is. Especially for middle graders, we haven't necessarily learned about it yet. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. It was interesting. It was a really interesting concept. And they sort of built the world really well, but I felt like they only went halfway there because, you're right, because they just hit things so quickly. It's like, here's this thing, and here's this thing, and here's this thing. And there seemed to be, like, some inconsistencies between what was lost and what can end up in the world between blanks. And and the people who are running the place, the curators, I felt like it was a really good concept, and it just, like, kind of missed the mark in a few places. Uh, one thing that's actually interesting about this is that the they say that the time and the world between blinks aligns with real time. Usually when there's like time travel books oh, yeah. or going to a different dimension, it's always like, oh, time here is not the same as on Earth. So you're going to return in the same amount of, you know, in the same minute that you left Earth. You know, it always happens like that. Of You yeah, can spend yeah. six months here, but you return to Earth and it'll be like six minutes. They usually do that. And this is probably one of the first, I'm sure there are others, but this is, at least recently, one of the first ones I've seen where they actually align the passage of time, which is an, a, a curious thing of like, if you spend three days in the world between blinks, you've actually been missing on Earth in the real world for three days. Right. But people don't age in the world between blinks. So right. the same amount of time is passing, but time is also not passing, which is, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know, suspension of disbelief in that sense. I was like, okay, sure, because this is a magical realm. But it, that was interesting. You're right. Yeah. But it's clean. And you know what? That's the important thing, right? It's clean. It's got a little bit of historical fiction. It was different. It's certainly a different concept. Not your typical time travel or fantasy world. Yeah. Right? It was a little bit different. A little unique. Um, and the main characters, I love when main characters are siblings or cousins. You know, instead of a potential romantic partnership, right? It was... A boy and a girl, but they're cousins, so there's not going to be... It says on the book, book one, so clearly you, there are going to be more of these. But there's not going to be, like, romantic entanglements between this 10 and 11-year-old, or whatever age they are, 10 and 12, maybe? Something like that. It was, And it was fun, and, it, you know, a little bit of adventure, a little bit of history. Yeah, if it ignites curiosity, that's good also. Of like, hey, there was a Roman marketplace that disappeared, hey, what is, let's look that up. So... yeah. That's the take on World Between Blinks. Yeah, solid effort by Amy Kaufman and Ryan Groudon. Groudon? Really Groudon. G-R-A-U? Grau? We'll go with that one. We'll go with that until someone calls us up and tells us that we're wrong. But, you know, since we're in a bunker, calling us up is not the easiest thing to do. So we just get to assume that we're right about things all the time. It's a fantastic way to live. Yeah, it's the benefit of having at least 17 satellites to bounce calls off of. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for listening, folks, and we will catch you next time. Cheers, people. Oh My Word podcast is brought to you by the Pearl Clutching Basement Dwellers at Oh My Word with theme music by Tim Burke. Keep track of all the great stuff we're up to. Please follow us on Instagram at Oh My Word Podcast. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a starry, starry five-star review. For full episode notes and details, please visit eltenabam.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time.